Good afternoon and welcome to the Friday edition of the Manitoba Farm Journal. I'm your host, Corey Canute. Coming up this afternoon, we'll hear from Canadian Pork Council Chair Rick Bergman as he looks back on the past year. Up first in today's country comment, we'll have details on the latest Protein Industries Canada announcements. The latest farm news and market numbers all coming up over the next 60 minutes. The time now is 12 o'clock. Here's a look at our local news. Good afternoon. You're listening to the Manitoba Farm Journal. Protein Industries Canada made another announcement yesterday. CEO Bill Gruel fills us in. This is a pretty exciting project because it's not only using uh, ingredients that we want to produce in Western Canada for food product production by other Canadian companies. It's also around the development of a brand new crop uh, for the prairies, which is pretty exciting, Corey. Tell us about um, lupin. So lupin is something that um, it's a very high protein crop. It's got a pretty unique starch and oil composition compared to other pulses, and it's got a really high level of protein, uh, three times the amount of protein as oats and, and, and a lot higher than, than some other things that are used for plant-based diets. So I think that's a pretty exciting thing for us because it also, if we're successful, can provide producers in Western Canada with another pulse crop in their rotation. You know, there's been a lot of work being done uh, by different um, public sector breeders, over 15 years of research experience taken on by Alberta Ag, Ontario Agriculture, looking at um, uh, developing that crop for producers. It's it's easy to grow with some simple agronomy. It's relatively pest-free. Got resistance to aphinomyces, which uh, for the for the farmers listening and and are having trouble with their peas, know that that's uh, that's an opportunity. Good lodging resistance in this crop as well. I mean, but, but the reality is we're a long ways out, but we, we have to start making investments in additional protein crops for Western Canada as well. Is this crop uh, being grown, you know, right now? Yeah, there, there's some limited production in, uh, in, in parts of Canada, in Ontario and up here in, in the prairies. But, you know, the, the volume would be measured in the, in the hundreds of acres. I mean, it's, so it's, it's really starting. It's mostly well adapted to, um, it's a large pulse crop in Australia, uh, you know, they're responsible for about 80% of the global lupin production, uh, other production areas in, in the EU. So, you know, this is, uh, like I say, a new, a new crop opportunity for us here in Western Canada. And Bill, talk a little bit more about um, how this crop could be used in um, Canada's plant-based food and ingredient uh, ecosystem. Yeah, yeah. The project that we announced today is a total of about $7.3 million investments. Uh, about three million from us at Protein Industries Canada, and four and a half from our industry industry partners. And and the project is really about establishing a whole supply chain and value chain from crop production through to the development and manufacturing of functional ingredients and unique consumer packaged good products. And so the idea is we've got Lupin Platform, which is the company that's going to manage the overall project. They're working with Henson Co-op, which is a large uh, co-op in Ontario. Purest Foods, which is actually based out of the U.S., but they're, they've got some real expertise in the development of food products based on novel ingredients. That's the role they're playing. And a company based out of the lower mainland of B.C. called Lumi Foods, and they produce uh, alternative cheese and alternative dairy products. So really what's exciting about this project is that it's got components around breeding, around production, around ingredient manufacturing, and then consumer packaged goods. So really the entire value chain approach to developing a new crop. 
you know, Corey, I look back at the development of some new crops in, in Western Canada, and they go through this cycle of, of boom and bust where there's uh, a demand at the producer level to grow it, but then we don't have a market, so the, the value crashes. Here we're taking an approach where if we start to develop the ingredients in the food products alongside the development of the crop, hopefully we can do a more sustainable approach to growing the acreage over time. That was Bill Gruel. He's the CEO with Protein Industries Canada. A look at what's happening in the markets this afternoon is coming up. Good afternoon. I'm Corey Canute. The drought was one of the big topics of discussion during 2021. Here's Manitoba Agriculture Minister Ralph Eichler. Farmers are resilient. They helped each other. We knew that that was going to be the case. So allowed a lot of farmers to, you know, take some crops off that weren't going to be yielding what they thought they would do. So that made that good feed quality. Uh, for our cattle guys and bison guys and and ones that uh, actually help the producers uh, both ways because we let them have their insurance uh, claims as well. So uh, it worked out okay, I think, for almost all producers. I haven't heard much negative on any of that program. So certainly happy to work with our, our farming sector and livestock sector together. The Conservatives' federal shadow minister for agriculture and agri-food says the party met with a number of agricultural stakeholder groups during a recent trip to Regina. John Barlow says while they visited at Agribition, they took time out to meet not only with livestock groups, but crop commodity organizations and the Agricultural Manufacturers Association. Myself, uh, you know, several MPs from Saskatchewan, uh, you know, shadow minister for rural development, our leader, Aaron O'Toole, and we had a pretty strong presence there, and I think that sent a really clear message to those um, in the agriculture sector that, yeah, the Conservatives see us as a priority. We, we want to be there to listen. Um, you, you know, there's no better way to do that than being there on the ground, um, meeting with those, with those uh, stakeholder groups. Barlow says some of the key issues being raised was the impact of the drought, markets and trade, and the federal government's 30% emissions target. And Loblaw is expanding its commitment to beef sustainability in Canada with the purchase of 3 million additional pounds of beef sourced from CRSB certified sustainable farms and ranches by 2023, tripling its initial purchase of 1 million pounds back in 2020. The beef will be purchased from CRSB certified farms in partnership with the Ontario Corn Fed Beef Program, according to standards set by the Canadian Roundtable for Sustainable Beef. Loblaw is working with its supply chain partners toward a system where at least 30% of the beef it sources will be CRSB certified. That was a look at today's farm news. I'm Corey Knute. Good afternoon and welcome to the Prairie Eggwire for Friday, December 17th. I'm Corey Knute. Coming up today, Canadian Pork Council Chair Rick Bergman will look back on the past year. Joining us now is Canadian Pork Council Chair Rick Bergman to take a look back on the past year. Well, continual focus on sustainability for for producers are, are is always on our minds. So that um, uh, that kind of dictates our our thought processes. So you know we we export over five billion dollars worth of pork annually, and this creates a huge economic engine for our country. So it's, it's vital to uh, ensure that that all works because uh, we know what starts on the farm many people benefit from it so i would say all in all the supply chain has worked um worked well in our country i would say on up until the catastrophic flooding uh that has occurred in bc recently so that has that has caused a significant 
uh, traffic jam uh, in in many ways with product moving outside of our our country and so on. Uh, so hopefully, as time goes on, that will be rectified and and more more uh, ability to move product then will will occur. This year, Corey, we've had uh, drought in many many areas of North America and for sure Western Canada, and uh, that has impacted the cost of uh, producing pork uh, quite substantially. And uh, it, I guess it has impacted any any producer with uh, that uses grains for any livestock production. So that's uh, that's a significant increase in cost to the farms, and I'm sure many people are seeing that impact also at the grocery stores these days. Uh, as you know, we are also uh, doing our very, very best to keep uh, African swine fever outside of our country. So that takes lots of preparation and efforts. Uh, we're spending a tremendous amount of time on, on that and uh, in, enhancing the biosecurity on the farms as well is a big, uh, a big focus because uh, that's, uh, that's the, the last, the final frontier. So a lot of efforts go on there. What have, uh, I guess, prices been like over the past year? Yeah, I would say, again, our sector, the prices always ebb and flow, but I would say on average uh, they've, they've been all right. Um, and, and thankfully they've, they've kind of followed with the cost of production uh, with, our, with a lot of our farms, just again with the increased grain costs. But that's been, uh, I would say on average that's been quite, that's worked out well across our country actually. We've seen um, an outbreak of uh, PED here in Manitoba towards the end of the year. I guess just um, thoughts on on that. Yeah, it's uh, you know it's it's always a challenge when you uh, when you deal with these uh, these on farm challenges, and they can go from region to region quite quickly, just uh, as uh, as viruses do. So a lot of a lot of producer our producers are doubling down. They're they're again just doing extra work with uh, ensuring that, uh, again, their farm is their last uh, line of defense. So biosecurity is a big, a big focus. And, uh, yeah, we've, we've got some cases right now in our province, and, and I do know that there's a lot of uh, conversations with veterinarians and so right now uh, to do whatever we can to mitigate those continued risks. Rick, what uh, will be uh, key focuses for um, the group uh, next year? Right. So as you know, we've uh, established a pork promotion and research agency through the Farm Marketing Council, and uh, that's going to ramp up uh, this upcoming year, probably in April or May, where uh, there will be funds avail- available for research and promotion. And uh, so that's that's a bit of a shining light uh, for us because we've, We've been at this one to build it for numerous years. Uh, so, again, what it'll do is create funds to further enhance uh, uh, the promotion of, of pork in our country and uh, and also focus on different research areas that, that uh, would be uh, good to pursue. So that's, uh, that's coming up in 2022. Uh, I would say also the continued... Um, Focus on on ASF actually is is uh, will it'll, it'll just continue because we cannot afford uh, to uh, uh, be impacted by by this in our 
in our country. Uh, yeah, so what else? Uh, we're looking at a Canadian pork pricing mechanism. Right now, all of our pork is, uh, for most part, getting priced out on, a, on a, the U.S. Uh, formula. And uh, so that's why we're, we're reviewing a Canadian-made price uh, to bring a bit more uh, of a, a balanced approach to, to pricing. So th- those are uh, a few things that will be occurring in, in, in 2022. And as you know, there are many things that pop up throughout the year where we have to kind of dive in and, and uh, accomplish, uh, accomplish success one way or the other. Rick, anything else to add? Or? Yeah, you know, for, for, for quite some time, uh, the pork sector has been, for most part, unable to uh, meet together in different forums and shows and and conferences. I believe a lot of our our, our uh, producers are are longing for the day again when we can get together and have fellowship and talk about uh, our farms and all the good things that we do. And uh, so, who knows? Our hope is that 2022 will be that year, and we'll be able to going to get back into uh, into that normal state once again. That was Canadian Port Council Chair Rick Bergman. That's it for the Prairie Eggwire for today. If you have any questions or opinions to share, send them to us by email to farmdesk at goldenwest.ca. I'm Corey Canute. Thanks for listening and have a great afternoon. The Prairie Eggwire will return next week on the Golden West Farm Network. Time now for a look at the farm calendar. The Manitoba Agricultural Museum near Austin is hosting a winter wonderland this weekend. Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, each night from 4 to 8 p.m., the entry fee is $10 per family. Manitoba Agriculture is offering environmental farm plan workshops over the winter. These will take place online. Go to the Manitoba Agriculture website to register. Looking ahead, Manitoba Ag Days returns to Brandon January 18th to the 20th, and Keystone Agricultural Producers is hosting its AGM January 25th online and also in person at the Delta Hotel in Winnipeg. Go to the CAP website. Continuing with the Manitoba Farm Journal here on this Friday afternoon, the Fields on Wheels conference took place virtually this week. Janelle Corsells is with Pulse Canada. Over the past five years or so, Pulse production has really increased successfully to where we produce on average about 7 million tons annually with the exception of this past growing season as a result of the drought conditions. But uh, all of this leads to Canada really sitting behind India as the world's second largest producer of pulse crops, accounting for about 10% of global pulse production. And in terms of what we grow here in Canada, over 85% of this is exported, leading to Canada being the world's top exporter of pulse crops. And annually, we export uh, approximately 6 million metric tons of pulses every year globally. So although we do export to over 130 different countries, over 60% of these exports are concentrated in either the China or Indian subcontinent. So this can lead to potentially greater risks for our industry. And a really good example of that is from 2007 to 2017, India was Canada's largest export market for Canadian peas. And India accounted for approximately 43% of total Canadian pea exports during that time period. Uh, But in 2017, India imposed a 50% tariff on Canadian pea imports, followed by uh, a 2018 imposition of a quantity restriction on pea imports. So effectively, with both of those measures still in place, that has removed India as a key market for Canadian peas. So following this, China has since become the largest import market, 
or Canadian peas. Uh, and just for an example, in 2020, 70% of our pea exports went into the Chinese market. And of the total peas that were coming into China, Canada represented about 94% of that. And that is primarily due to competing origins, not having market access to this Chinese market. So here you can really see the shift in pulse exports uh, from India to China as a result of that 2014 tariff imposition, where Canada really was able to divert a significant volume of these Canadian peas into this new market. However, this closure of India really serves as a prime example of the risk of being over-reliant on a single market for export. And there are also several factors within the Chinese environment that threaten Canada's current market share. Uh, specifically, China has a focus on import diversification, and they are really looking to expand the source of peas from two different exporting regions. As well, there are some concerns about geopolitical tension, with the COVID pandemic, we're also seeing rising concerns from the Chinese government in regards to things like food quality and food safety. Within the global trade environment, we are also seeing increased trade barriers for Canadian pulses, including a shift away from traditional rules-based trading systems. So there are often times where current free trade agreements are underperforming as countries are finding new ways to keep product out, including the implementation of non-tariff trade barriers. And coinciding with the COVID pandemic, there is also a shift to protectionism where we're seeing increased efforts to establish self-sufficient supply chains within regions, as well as countries like the EU are taking a very precautionary approach to phytosanitary requirements and to regulate pesticides, which runs the risk of influencing other countries' decisions and could harm Canada's competitiveness within this global trade environment. And although I'm not necessarily going to touch on it here today, as it's been really well covered uh, throughout today's event, but the container crunch is absolutely affecting our industry in terms of getting uh, our capabilities of getting pulses to overseas markets. That was Janelle Corsells with Pulse Canada. Another look at what's happening in the markets heading into the close is coming up in just a moment. Time now for another look at today's farm news. Yesterday, Minister of Agriculture and Agri-Food Marie-Claude Bebo met with the U.S. Ambassador to Canada, David Cohen. Bebo expressed gratitude to Cohen for the United States assistance in allowing transshipment of agri-food products through the U.S. in the wake of recent floods in B.C. The minister emphasized the government of Canada's confidence in current risk mitigation measures for PEI fresh potatoes and detailed the actions being taken to address the United States concerns. The minister and the ambassador discussed the benefits of resuming trade of fresh potatoes for both sides of the border, given that PEI potatoes are a staple for many families along the eastern seaboard and Puerto Rico. This week, the federal government announced an additional $3 million towards the CFA's 2021 Hay West initiative to help farmers affected by this year's drought. John Barlow, the Conservatives' federal shadow minister for agriculture and agri-food, says the Hay West program has been key for producers in the West. Obviously, access to, to feed is, has been uh, you know, critically important, and with what's happened in the BC floods um, has exasperated the, the problem when it comes to accessing feed. Uh, so to see Eastern Canadian farmers uh, step up in support uh, of our Western Canadian producers is, uh, you know, that's great. And that's what happens when there's a crisis is neighbours helping neighbours. And, you know, certainly the, the funding to, to help that happen and make that happen, I think, is, is welcome for sure. And a lot happened in the agriculture industry in Manitoba in 2021. Here's Manitoba Agriculture Minister Ralph Eichler. The opening of Merrick, when we talk about the protein strategies, uh, and of course, uh, Roquette had their opening as well. 
Nutrapy had an expansion on their facilities. You know, then continuing on on the protein sector, you know, with the expansion at, uh, at Wheatler Meats and what they're doing, creating more jobs in that area as well. And then with uh, Maple Leap and St. Boniface, with that bacon and ham center of excellence, created more opportunities and more jobs there as well. I'll be back after this to wrap up today's program. We've come to the end of another Manitoba Farm Journal. I'm your host, Corey Canute. If you have any questions or comments, you can reach us by email, thefarmdesk at goldenwest.ca. Today's closing numbers with more in-depth commentary on what's happening in the markets is coming up at 10 to 2 on the Markets Farm Program. Thanks for listening and have a great afternoon. Hope you can join us back here on Monday starting at 12 noon.